So welcome back to the Fat for Weight Loss show. Today I am speaking with Lesha from Eat, Be Fit, Explore and we will get to it right after this. An important food, a healthy food and a basic food that can be served in more than a hundred different ways. Hello and welcome to the Fat for Weight Loss Show. My name is Aaron and I am your host for today's episode. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, let me introduce myself. Firstly, I am from Australia, if you hadn't already guessed from the accent, and I run a ketogenic food blog called Fat for Weight Loss, found at fatforweightloss.com.au. And the aim of this podcast is to dig into the world of nutrition, fitness, and everything in between. I'm a nutritional therapist and an advanced sports exercise nutritional advisor. However, I'm not a doctor, so I cannot give you any medical advice. This also applies to any guests involved in this show. Please make sure you consult your doctor before making any changes to your diet or medication. You can find me on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at Fat for Weight Loss for delicious keto recipes, meal plan videos, and drool-worthy food photography. So let's get right into it. So, Lesha, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, I'm doing really, really well. It's, uh, it's, I know it's uh, in the morning here in Australia, and I, I know it's probably in the afternoon for uh, where you are in the world, and it's kind of cool how I can be talking to you from the future, like it's Monday morning for me, and it's probably Sunday afternoon for you. Is that right? Yes, it's actually really weird and confusing. <laughs> I had to think about that. I had to figure out what time exactly I had to be on here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always find that it's very easy for um, people in America to sort of translate the time between Central Standard Time, Pacific Time, and Eastern Standard Time, Daylight Time. But then when it comes to Australian time, they're like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a whole nother day. What are you doing? Like, that's for not, sure. That, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, uh, when I start these podcasts, I really like to... Uh, sort of have this, um, you know, funny story or maybe something that people may not know about you. And we were just talking off the podcast before, and you were saying that you accidentally ran an incredible distance, um, just accidentally. Can you sort of tell us a little bit, a bit more about that story? Yes. So I started running when I was about 18, and I really got into long distance in my 20s. And uh, my friend was doing a relay race for the Akron Marathon. And last minute, one of the racers backed out. So she had asked me if I would substitute. And back then, I haven't done any races. So I was kind of confused about how the relay process works. And so I was like, sure, I could do it. It was like a 10K. So she just told me, you know, you just, someone's going to run up to you and they're going to hand you this bracelet and you're going to put it on and then you're going to run and then you're going to see another person and they're going to find you and they're going to take your bracelet and then, you know, they're going to run. So I was like, oh, okay, you know, so I start running and I'm running and I'm running and I'm like, well, this is like a weird start, you know. Uh, so I finally get to this person that I know and, and they come up to me and they just grab this bracelet off of my hand and they just bolt. And I'm thinking, like, that's rude. You know, they don't even want to wait for me. They're just <laughs> going to go. So in my mind, I'm thinking, like, well, I don't see the finish line. So I'm just going to keep going. 
So I just keep running and I keep running. And I looked down because I was like monitoring everything from my Nike run app. And I could see I've already ran over 10K. And I was like, okay, this is so weird. Like, where is this finish line? And mind you, this was like back in the day where like we didn't have our phones glued to us. Right. So I just had my iPad or my iPod. Yeah. And it was in a phone. And I was like, well, I can't really stop or call anybody. So I just kept running. And then there was a point in time where the trail kind of divided in between. It said half marathon route and then marathon route. And I didn't know what I was doing. And I saw more people were going through the marathon route. So I just kind of said, you know, follow where most of the crowd is going. <laughs> and I ended up on the marathon trail. Um, it was probably like 16 miles in or 17 miles in where I realized I'm running a marathon. Yeah. You know, wow. that's that's a pretty like a, a long time to, to stop and say, OK, I think I'm actually running a marathon. Like by the time you get to that point, you probably would have been pretty tired, right? <laughs> Yeah, I was. I was. My my legs were starting to get numb. You know, when you race and you're training for a 10k, you're not ready for you know a marathon. Right. So um, my body was like, "What are you doing to me?" But at some point, I realized if I don't start running fast, I'm never gonna. I'm never gonna finish. I'm never gonna make it to the finish line. It's gonna be dark. Uh, so I started speeding up and I was like, look, I have no other choice. I can't turn around. I can't just go call somebody. I just have to keep going. So I kept going and kept going and I finally reached the finish line, uh, got a hold of someone, asked for their cell phone, called my friends. My friends were freaking out. They were about to call the police. <laughs> they didn't know where I was. They thought someone had like kidnapped me or something. Right. I was like, no, I just accidentally ran the whole thing. <laughs> so then I realized like, okay, if I accidentally ran one, I can maybe run one on purpose. Right, that's <laughs> and that's such a good lead into uh, maybe you know uh, I guess you've probably done uh, a fair bit of running um, prior to now, but you know you're doing food blogging, you're also doing a lot of um, keto work. You've got you know uh, you've got a degree in nutrition and dietetics, I believe, but you're also yes just getting back into running, and so I guess that's probably a great segue into um, talking about you know, moving into the ketogenic diet and moving into a high fat sort of uh, style and then actually going and saying, okay, I'm going to go do some running now. And so you've got a half marathon planned uh, and you probably have a marathon planned after that because you'll you'll get the running bug and <laughs> it'll all just sort of yes. like fold over and whatnot. Um, but, uh, you know, what are some of the things that you've been doing to get back into running? Because I know that a lot of people have run in their past or they've run in their, you know, uh, in high school or whatnot, but then they've sort of given it up for a little while and then they're trying to get back into it and they're also doing a low-carb diet. So uh, were there some things that you have been finding that maybe you have been going really well and then vice versa? What are some of the issues that you've sort of come across with that? So... I have, like I mentioned before, I've been running since I was like 18, but for the past year, I've taken a break and I've been focusing mainly on cycling because I bought a Peloton and I've become addicted to it. Ooh, uh, cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I started cycling like six times a week, mm. um, but of course the running bug came back and um, 
my goal for this year was to get back into racing and I haven't raced since 2016 where 2016 where I did the New York City Marathon and so just last week I started my training and um, so what I do now is mainly I just do MCT oil it's probably my best source when it comes to giving me energy for yeah. running uh, I'll do my uh, like a morning coffee with MCT oil and that honestly gives me enough energy to keep up with my run uh, but what I have noticed is that with the longer runs like I just did a longer run and uh, I'm getting severe headaches which I think are due to lack of electrolytes or loss of sodium. Mm. So I've been trying to figure out what I need to do uh, as far as upping my magnesium, uh, drinking more electrolyte powder, adding salt water in, because I've noticed that I feel like this is going to be a problem now that I'm running more as mm. far as losing a lot of sodium with the sweat mm, yeah so that's my challenge is transitioning because this is wasn't really a problem for me with cycling mm. but with running it's a little different so yeah, i can foresee yeah. how i have to adjust with the electrolytes yeah it's something that is interesting and i think it's also something that i found a lot uh, when i was starting doing a low carb sort of lifestyle and exercising a lot um and I think that, uh, you know, when you have a lot of uh, muscle glycogen or you've got a lot of stored carb energy, essentially, it also holds three times its weight in water. So when, you know, I'm sure you know this, that glycogen holds three times its weight in water. But when you don't have that water on your body, it's very hard for your body to actually um, maintain its hydration adequately whilst you're doing something that is a long run or, you know, maybe you're pushing that 15, 20 sort of kilometer mark and maybe you're going up to the 30K mark. Um, and that was something that I found whilst I was running as well. And so um, when you're running, do you actually ever take any electrolyte or any sort of electrolyte with you? Or are you sort of relying on water that's along the way? Or how does that work for you? So I've been relying on water for the most part. But I've been noticing that I think that I'm going to start doing electrolyte powder. So I don't know if you've heard of Zip Fizz have yes yeah yeah so i like that a lot my husband and i actually use it a lot he uses it as a pre-workout mm. so i've noticed i used to use it a lot before like a long cycling session and it's really helped me so what i've realized is that i think i'm going to try to take that like well i run right now for now in my basement on the treadmill because it's still snowy and cold in ohio uh, so I could just put it, you know, by my treadmill and take sips of it as I run. And it's more of my longer runs. Like the shorter yeah. runs are not the problem. Mm -hmm. The problems when I get into like past five, six miles, I start getting, I feel, okay, I don't, I'm starting to feel like I'm just slowing down and getting, you, you know, you know that feeling you're getting tired and you're just like something's totally. yeah. yeah you just need that <laughs> yeah. i think kick. Um, 
you know, something that is great uh, is ZipFizz. And so for anyone who's listening, um, if you haven't heard of ZipFizz, I'm pretty sure you can get it on Amazon or you can get it most places. Uh, and most people use ZipFizz because it has a good amount of potassium in it. So I think it has around 1,000 milligrams of potassium, uh, which is actually hard to get outside of... Um, you know, most people don't include potassium a lot because it can, uh, too much potassium can cause things like heart attacks, <laughs> but it's a, it, when you're, when you're running, um, you need potassium, magnesium, calcium, and sodium. And so those four are the electrolytes. Uh, yeah. So definitely having some electrolyte powder or some sort of, um, low carb electrolytes is going to be fantastic in that scenario. But also what I found when I was running, and I don't know whether you wear a heart rate strap or if you have any idea of what your heart rate's sitting at, but what I found is that if you build up your endurance in uh, what's called the Maffetone pace, and the Maffetone is like 180 minus your age, if you sit in that realm and you build that that heart rate realm up, you can actually get faster at a, at a, uh, a less intense sort of pace um, as opposed to when you're running with carbohydrates or you're running with this high octane fuel, you can actually sort of um, uh, ignore that for a long time until you hit a wall. <laughs> um, uh, and so w- uh, what I found was that running at that particular heart rate zone at that maffetone pace um, it enabled me to delay that, um, that I guess, that the lack of energy as well. Um, I don't know, do you run with a heart rate monitor? Is that something you have or is that not really part of the treadmill and not really part of your training? Oh, yes, it absolutely is. I'm obsessed with heart rate. I'm obsessed with heart rate. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I actually, (laughs) yes, I have a Fitbit and then I also wear a Strava that's attached to my, um, by my, uh, in my elbow and it oh, yeah. uh, takes the heart rate there because I feel like those the the Fitbit and the Strava give me different measurements, and I feel like the Strava is more accurate. I don't even know if I'm saying that right, but the 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 Strava ones attached to my treadmill, so it tells me exactly what my heart rate is. And usually, at running, it's around 150. Yeah, I okay. find yeah. 150 ish, um, and then cycling. I mean, it can get up to like 180, depending right, on yeah. what I'm doing. But yeah, I'm all about the heart rate. I'm yeah, all about yeah. it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and so for anyone out there who also wants to run with a heart rate monitor, you know, you can get uh, cheap Bluetooth ones that will connect to your phone if you use your phone as a GPS. Or uh, most Garmin's now have the built-in heart rate in there in behind the watch. But yeah, there's there's so many options out there, and I think running with heart rate is is a fantastic way to monitor your progress as well. Because once you get fitter, your heart rate will stay at a lower rate for the speed that you're going. Um, yeah, so that's really cool. But uh, yeah, I definitely think that when now that you're doing a, a marathon or the half marathon in a low carb state, upping your electrolytes is going to help a lot because you sweat out so much sodium and, and so much magnesium when you're in that uh, exercise because magnesium is involved in taking energy into your mitochondria as well. So not only are you expelling magnesium, but you're also using it in creating ATP. And so, um, yeah, magnesium, your, your need for magnesium is going to go through the roof. And I found that running especially. Cycling, not so much. And I don't know why that is. I, th- I feel like cycling is a little bit less uh, impactful. And I think that in that sense... Yes, your heart rate can get really, really high, but you also have a lot of times where you can cruise. But but with running, you're never really cruising. You're always at like 
<laughs> you're always pretty gassed <laughs> yes um, i agree and, i totally uh, yeah it's, I, it's I, really interesting yes i always think i always tell everyone like i feel like i'm so lazy when i'm cycling and right i was like no it's not it's it's not lazy it's it's hard i'm like no i feel lazy compared to running it's so lazy <laughs> to, running, to me yeah. <laughs> yeah that's right yeah yeah and i'm interested about the peloton as well i know that that's a, a bike that sort of has like a, a workouts built into it as well um is that is do you when you buy a peloton do you buy the whole bike and that comes with it or can you use a pre-existing bike for that how does that work so it could work both ways. You The bike itself is one cost, and then you have to buy the subscription extra. Oh, so it's like yeah. $40 a month for the classes. So that includes the running. They now have treadmill classes. They have yoga. Oh, they great. have straight strength training. They have all kinds yep. of classes. So you could use another cycle bike and then just use your iPad or your iPhone or whatever. You can just download the app and take the classes. However, you're not going to know the exact numbers unless you have the Peloton bike. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I, I know that I always used to follow the, um, I had a premium subscription to Strava um, and I use Strava a lot because a lot of the cycling friends I use, use Strava. Um, and then going to running, uh, there was always a lot of free training plans that were part of that. And so I used something similar when I went on. Um, but do you follow any sort of training plan or do you sort of um, plan that out yourself? So for running, I like to use Nike Run Club. I've oh, yeah. used Nike Run Club since I started running, you know, back in I don't even know when, like, wow, a long time ago. Um, and they now developed plans where they ask you a bunch of questions like, how many miles a week do you run? What's your average pace? Um, you know, what are your goals? And then they make a plan specifically towards that. And then every day they tell you what you need to run at one pace, at like what pace. And I find that that's the best way for me because it guides me through my phone and then I kind of have like that check mark in my head. I'm, I'm very much a person where if I did it and then it checked it off, like I feel accomplished, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, okay, I've achieved this goal. I did it because they know I did it because I ran and they monitored my run. It's not just like printing out a guide and saying, okay, Monday you run this, Tuesday you run that because the app tracks you while you're running it knows if you did it and that yeah. really just holds me accountable to go out and do the runs yeah that's cool so, yeah, so that's nike why i really club. love you yeah i really love using nike run club oh that's cool yeah i um yeah, there's so many different training plans out there and i think it is best to find the one that works for you so so that's great um but you know running uh you know generating all this energy you sort of have to have a pretty good uh, fueling tactic for that and so I know that you uh, you have a very um, sort of clean keto uh, type of eating and and you have uh, I know you have a, a four-week uh, plan called the clean keto reset but you know when you when you go into the ketogenic diet and when you went into the ketogenic diet first up was that something that you were um, uh, that you did initially were you initially on the you know the, like the clean keto train or was that something that you sort of refined a little bit up until now yeah i definitely refined it so when i started keto back in 2015 i started it initially just for weight loss 
because I had gained a lot of weight from my first pregnancy and uh, I was very much on the mindset of calories in, calories out. Mm. Um, you need to, you know, exercise a lot and eat less calories, eat low fat, and that's how you'll lose weight, you know, mm. because that's what I was pretty much taught uh, when I was studying to be a dietitian. Um, so I did that, you know, I ate low fat. Um, I worked out, I would run five miles a day, but I was just stuck. My weight was just stuck. I wasn't going anywhere, and I was getting really frustrated. And I had a friend that had done keto. Um, she told me about it. And, of course, you know, like everyone else in the world, I was like, you're crazy. That's not yeah. healthy. <laughs> how, could you, how could you sit here and tell me that eating fat and eating all of this food, it's so bad for you. How can you cut out such an essential nutrient like carbohydrates <laughs> from your diet, right? Um, which is not essential. Uh, and But later on, I realized, you know what? I was so desperate to lose my final 10, 15 pounds from pregnancy that I was just like, I saw it was working for her. And I was like, you know, let me just try it. I'm all about experimenting, trying new things. So I tried it, and if I lost my weight within a few months. I lost mm. like 15. I was the lowest that I've been since I got married. And oh, I would, people were just looking at me like shocked. Like, mm. what did you do? <laughs> it was funny. We were at a wedding. It was actually her wedding. And my, <laughs> my brother-in-law, he went up to my husband, and he's like, do you not let her eat? <laughs> <laughs> why is she so skinny do not let her eat and my husband was like uh no she eats a lot actually she yeah. she eats a lot of fat too uh, but it's keto you know and so i did keto for a while and then i got pregnant again and it kind of fell off because at that point i wasn't thinking of it as a lifestyle Aaron. i was thinking mm. of it as a diet right mm. um which a lot of people think of it as uh so i Gained 60 pounds in my second pre pregnancy, and I knew right away that when I had the baby, I was going to do keto. So I started keto, lost a lot of weight, but then I noticed I was hitting a stall. I was starting to get really bloated again, starting to get tired, and just not feeling so great. You know, I, I'm sticking to keto because I love the way it makes me feel more so than the weight loss. I love the energy I get. I love the mental clarity. I love the just waking up and not feeling just so exhausted and bloated and just crashing all the time. But I started noticing slowly that I would, I would get bloated and I felt more sluggish and I had to look at my diet and I was thinking like, what is it that I'm eating that's making me feel this way? And the only thing I can pinpoint was dairy and sweeteners and processed foods, the keto junk foods, as I like to call them, that are out on the market right now, which I'm not saying all of them are bad because there are a lot out there that are great products. But I feel like just with any trend, keto has become trendy and, and companies are taking advantage of it and coming up with all these products that they claim to be keto, but they're really not. They're mm, really not yeah. benefiting us and our health yeah. and our ketogenic journeys. And eating those foods has made me just become bloated. I've actually put on weight. Uh, I just started getting tired and sluggish and just kind of like notice my body just 
you know, my rings got tighter, my face was swollen, and I was still in keto. Like, I was in ketosis. I was checking my ketones, and they were above 0.5. They were, like, at 1.0, 1.5. So I know it was a nutritional ketosis, but I wasn't feeling the best that I know I could be with keto. So I cut off all dairy. I cut off sweeteners. I cut off all processed and artificial ingredients for a month. I just did an experiment January this year. Lost 15 pounds, have not felt better in my life. This episode is brought to you by the Complete Keto Diet. Have a think about this for a second. How long will it take you to reach your health goals? Is it four weeks? Is it three months? Is it six months? Is it a year? Maybe you don't need to lose weight, but you're struggling with the whole lifestyle thing that everyone keeps talking about. Who is going to be around long enough or be committed enough to you to help you achieve your health goals? That answer is me. I created the Complete Keto Diet specifically to help 10,000 people achieve their health goals over the next five years. That means I'm there for you in the beginning, through the plateaus, and the maintenance of your journey towards better health. But why 10,000 people? Well, simply put, I want to bring you the most actionable and realistic ways to get your health right using the ketogenic diet. But I also want to make sure that everyone succeeds and nobody gets left behind. Your name is very important to me. So how does it all work? Well, this is done with a ketogenic meal plan that is sent to your inbox every single week. You might have seen some of my YouTube meal plan videos on creating simple ketogenic meal plans, which are getting very close now to a million views alone. The advantage of my meal plans over others is that you are given simple recipes with simple ingredients with a great variety of food. You won't be eating the same meal every day and best of all I include substitutions for dairy free, nut free and other types of allergens. Plus all of the ratios are calculated for you. You'll be saving money with shopping lists that only include the items that you actually need. Not only does it come with weekly meal plans, but we do a weekly coaching session with everyone so that you can get your answers solved right away. You also get exclusive tools and resources, exclusive deals on all your favorite keto-friendly products that will probably save you more money than you think, plus a community of people to help you always succeed and keep you accountable every single step of the way. Sustainability is the key to long-term success with the ketogenic diet. I am not here to help you drop as much weight as possible in a three-month period. I am here for life. If you think this is what you've been looking for, I offer a seven-day free trial for anyone who is looking to see if it's the right fit for them. I offer steep discounts for six-month and yearly memberships that include one-on-one -on -one sessions with me as well, so you'll always have the answers. Head on over to www.complete ketodiet.com and enter the code podcast to receive 15% off the membership. Oh, and did I mention that everything is in Australian dollars? Hurrah! Go to www.completeketodiet.com and enter the code podcast to start moving towards your health goals today. Mm, yeah, no, that's fantastic. And I think that, you know, a lot of the time for some people, uh, if they do have a dairy intolerance, that keto can really highlight that because, because you know, unlike paleo, uh, the ketogenic diet, because cheese and, you know, dairy and those types of foods do contain a lot of fat, which is great on the ketogenic diet, but may not be so great for people who do have either a lactose intolerance or, are, um, you know, sensitive to the proteins in, in dairy. And so... 
um, a lot, for a lot of people, when they cut out dairy, it's like, oh, this is amazing. And so you cut out dairy. What what sort of things were you replacing um, the dairy with in your diet? Is there other types of fat that you were using or was it just simply relying on proteins or what what was it that you were um, that you did differently when you removed the dairy from your diet? So my focus was mainly on getting quality protein and vegetables and mm-hmm. eating berries and then to replace dairy. So let's say I wanted to have something that was like a creamier dish. I would use coconut cream or coconut milk. Um or some almond milk. But mainly I've noticed because the problem with me is like this is my issue. I love food. Right? Hmm. Like yeah, I love all. love food. No, no, no. Like I love food. I'm a foodie. So if I don't have variety, if I don't have taste, if the food's not good to me, like I don't care. I don't want to eat it. Like for me it's like not even worth it. So I really had to go like above and beyond to figure out how can I make my meals still clean keto but taste good that I actually enjoy eating them and I realized using coconut cream to make cream based dishes or just being creative in the way that I combine ingredients that it doesn't have to be extravagant it doesn't have to take a long time but if you just think about ingredients that are simple in their raw form or that are wholesome, you could come up with things that actually taste really good that you won't even miss cheese. And trust me, I love cheese. I could live off of cheese. Cheese is <laughs> yeah. life, you know? I love it. But a lot of people come to me and they're like, well, I don't know if I can give up cheese. I just love cheese so much. I'm like, mm. I do too. And I thought the same thing. But I promise you, after you've given up cheese for a few weeks, when you know how you feel, you're going to be like, wow. Like, Mm. wow. It was so worth it. Not to say Mm. I'll never have cheese again. But for mainly for my diet, I know that it just does not make me feel well. Cheese, heavy cream, any of that dairy, it just doesn't make me feel great. Yeah. Yeah. And that that is something that a lot of people find, uh, you know, maybe... Prior to starting keto, they weren't so much, uh, they didn't realize that, you know, dairy was a problem for them. And then they come into this sort of lifestyle and they just eat so much dairy and it sort of goes a little bit overboard. And I actually found the same thing is that I've uh, I've had a, a dairy allergy for a long time, but it sort of goes away and comes back. Um, and it never really goes away until I completely avoid dairy. Um, but what you were saying before about you know making those uh, those simple foods and those flavor combinations, that's really awesome. Um, but and and so uh, how do you sort of explain that to people? What I I, I usually tell people to get um, the flavor bible which is basically a book and you look up an ingredient same something like pork uh, and you can see that pork goes really well with uh, fennel seeds and garlic and so that flavor combinations like a flavor aficionado <laughs> um, and so you can make those really simple ingredients really tasty with a certain particular um, herbs but how do you sort of go about uh, either creating recipes or um, you know making sure that people do have uh, those those delicious styles of recipes and food but without having dairy and without having all of the processed sort of ingredients in it as well so i'm actually very inspired by bon appetit magazine because i feel Ah, like they have the best 
recipes in the whole entire world. And (laughs) (laughs) I've been cooking from their magazine for ever and everything I've made has been phenomenal. However, it's not all very keto friendly. So how I get inspired is I'll think of a recipe that I made that was just incredible. And then I'll think of how can I ketofy this? How can I make Mm. this keto friendly or dairy free? And some of them just they don't end up right. Well, like, Mm. I'll just I'll take and substitute the cream for coconut cream. And it just won't taste good. I'm like, okay, this is just not going to work for this recipe. But I'm very surprised how most of the recipes when I make certain tweaks to them, or just make changes, and I use coconut cream or coconut milk, and just put the right amount of seasonings and spices in it how amazing it tastes and you wouldn't even be able to tell that it's Mm. coconut so i've taken that's what i do i just take recipes that i've made before that i know taste amazing and i try to substitute the ingredients with ingredients that are dairy free that are keto friendly and i just see how it tastes and if it ends up well then i develop that recipe and post it if it doesn't then i just move on to the next but i find most of the time it's actually very easy to substitute the ingredients yeah that's awesome and and you know uh, you are a food blogger as well and so you're doing this on a daily basis you're doing all of this um you know to to post on the the eat be fit explore and so that's eatbefitexplore.com uh, and so if you're looking for any uh, great dairy free recipes and you've got plenty of them on there um and so talking about food blogging because i do a lot of food blogging as well um it's such a it's such a world where you can become uh you can become very inspired by uh, certain recipes and you can create these amazing recipes, but sometimes those recipes just don't turn out. And I know that I have a whole book of recipes here that probably maybe 30% of them have seen the light of day <laughs> and and the other ones are just not good enough. How do you sort of tell whether a, a recipe is good enough to post and then how do you sort of go through making that recipe, photographing it? What's that process look like for you, sort of the behind the scenes of a food blog, I guess? So it's actually really chaotic for me right now uh, because I have two (laughs) small children. I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And I actually just started blogging this past October. I uh, started my keto Instagram page last April to help people out because a lot of people were contacting me about how I lost weight and everything. And then I decided to start a food blog and I'm actually like learning. I'm just learning as I go. And there's so much to learn. And it can be very overwhelming. And the way I do it now is I just think of foods that I like to eat. Think of foods that I would want to eat being keto. And I try to find recipes for them. So I pretty much do it. Like if what do I want to eat this week? You know, I ask my husband, what do you want to eat? What are you craving? And He's not really keto, but he's more of paleo-ish diet. And, but he'll eat everything I cook, obviously, or else he won't eat, right? <laughs> um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so I ask him, like, what do you feel like? And he, he'll say, I really want enchiladas. Okay, how can I make keto enchiladas? So I'll yeah. do that. So I'll get that inspiration. 
or like right now okay I'll give you an example last week I was on a mission to make the best keto brownies so I've been trying I've been making keto brownies just following other people's recipes and I haven't tried your recipe yet which I should but I tried probably like a handful of keto brownie recipes and I just didn't like any of them I'm just a brownie snob, right? I like the like Ghirardelli. <laughs> like I'm a brownie snob, and my favorite brownies are like the Ghirardelli like box brownies, right? They're fudgy, yeah, they're yep, chewy, yep. they're just perfect. Yep. And mm. I legit made five batches of brownies, Aaron. Five. I went through so much almond flour, and <laughs> I went through so much sweetener, and I was gonna give up. I was like, okay, this is my last attempt. And after five attempts, I finally got it down. They're not perfect, but they're close to perfect. But literally, I would make them. This one's too dry. This one's too cakey. This one's just not. Like, it could be okay for some people, but if it's not for me, like, perfect, then I just don't want to even post it. Because, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, I don't want... If I know what the ideal brownie is or chocolate chip cookie is and I make something that's just subpar and okay, it's it's not even worth for me to put it out there to take that time to write up the post, to do SEO, to do photography, to do everything else that requires that goes into putting out a blog post for a recipe that's just okay, right? Mm. It's just not mm. even worth my yeah. time. I totally agree, and I I have all <laughs> I I know your pain with do, going through so many different recipes, uh, and you know uh, I've been doing a recipe book currently, um, and that I have a perfect brownie recipe in there, um, which has been uh, morphed into the the raspberry brownie w recipe that's on my website now. But <laughs> anyway, I saw um, that I need but, to try uh, it. <laughs> Yeah, it 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 is legit good, <laughs> but but there's so many recipes out there where um you know you you want to and it's a and it's a great way to do it because you you think okay what do I want to eat for this week and chances are people are probably going to want to eat that as well and so if you can find a recipe that is really good or is uh you know going to be really useful for someone else then that's perfect and uh yeah and it does take a lot of time to actually go through and f photograph and do all those different types of things and uh and you've currently been or you've done the uh, photography school by sarah from um uh from broma bakery uh and uh, you know that that for me i opened a whole world of, of photography and so i don't know whether you follow me on instagram and or if you follow ep fit on instagram you know your photos are amazing and my photos are getting there <laughs> um and uh what sort of uh, gear do you use to shoot photos and do you shoot in natural light or do you use artificial light what does that sort of look like for you and and how does that work around um having kids as well <laughs> it's actually really funny that doesn't yeah that's doesn't work that great all the time around kids <laughs> so i actually am starting to really learn food photography uh i enrolled in her photography school I took the first training session and then I had to take a break because I was writing my clean keto reset ebook and my clean keto snacks and drinks ebook so I couldn't really focus on that but now I'm slowly getting back into it but my sister's actually a photographer she does mostly wedding and lifestyle shoots so I've asked her a lot about advice and you know asked her for tips and 
for guidance and and she's she's actually taught me a lot but you know when you're already a photographer and you're trying to teach someone that's not really a photographer it's like so much easier to explain it to them like right. just learn aperture you learn ICO ISO uh, learn you know uh, depth of field and um, all of this and you'll be fine just just know what these mean uh what yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's not that simple. And that's what I really love about the photography school. It really breaks things down for me. Mm. So my husband actually bought me just like a Canon Rebel a couple years ago uh, for my birthday or Christmas or something because I just wanted a, a good camera to take photos with the family and stuff like that. But he didn't know I was going to get into blogging or food photography. So I had that with like just the standard kit lens. And then when I started this blog, I realized I need better lens because it's really the lens are a big deal when it comes to, you know, food photography and the quality of your photos. So I got a 35 millimeter and I got a macro lens, a hundred yeah. millimeter, which is just amazing for food photography, <laughs> like yeah. a whole nother level, like the best lens ever. Um, and then I started just, t I took those classes, I looked at other inspirations, and I'm still learning, I'm still not where I want to be. It's just such a struggle because when I look at photos and I look at what I envision in my mind of what I want to achieve, and then I try to take the photo, it's like not there yet. Like I know right. what I want it to look <laughs> like, right? But it doesn't turn out that way. And it's just that struggle between I know how, you know, how I could be taking the photos, but I yet don't know how to take them that way. Mm -hmm. But I'm so every day is a learning process and my photos get better with every shoot. But I find that natural light for me is the best. I've dabbled in artificial light and I just can't figure it out. It just, right. it looks too blue. It looks too harsh. I just don't know how to, how to figure it out and to play with it. So for now, I realize like, I just have to first learn how to do photography just in general before I could start adding in artificial lighting and all of that stuff, which, you know, I'm not opposed to doing because especially in Ohio, there's a lot of times a year here that it gets so dark so quickly that mm. you just have no choice. Like, Right. You have to shoot or else you really, it's really hard to get your shoots in. So I would love to just, you know, use artificial light when I have to, but I need to learn how to do that first. And then yeah. also with kids, it's impossible. I, I'm not kidding you. <laughs> Every single shoot that I take, there's at least three pictures of my one-year-old grabbing the food. <laughs> and at, at this point, I've gone to the point where, like, you know, I started taking pictures of that to just have it as memory um, mm. and to put some on my blog because they're adorable. But literally, it's like I have the food on my table and I take out my camera and I see my one-year-old from the corner of her, you know, my eye, and she sees the food, and she's starting to bolt towards me, and I and I, I have like 10 seconds to get the shot before yeah. her, her little hand reaches in and grabs the plate, and that is my <laughs> life right now. But that's all I can do because I'm a stay-at-home mom, and I have, daylight is very limited to me. Mm. So I have to shoot when there's good daylight and that's usually when they're awake and i'm alone 
and I have to make it work. So right now my photography is not perfect because I'm just very limited to what I can do because of my situation. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, I'm learning as I go, but that's just kind of how it is now. And I just have to roll with it. <laughs> Yeah, no, and I think your photos look amazing. They're fantastic. Especially there's one where uh, you've got um, the Valentine's brunch recipe with the flax cakes (laughs) and peanut butter glaze. That is a fantastic photo. And I'll link it in the description of this podcast if anyone wants to go and check it out. Um, And, you know, so, uh, you know, all of these things, you know, come together and create a food blog and you know the the clean style of keto with dairy free and everything trying to do running food blogging um and you know there's there's so much information there but you know at the end of the podcast i do like to ask uh, some quick questions like some rapid fire sort of questions uh and these are really interesting because they're actually probably my favorite part of the whole podcast thing because i get to find exactly what people love exactly what people hate <laughs> and some really juicy tips for for anyone listening out there so you can go and take some actionable advice from this uh and so the first question what's your favorite keto food what is something you know maybe that's brownies like you were saying before (laughs) but what is your absolute favorite keto food so i could probably live off of avocados and ribeyes oh (laughs) and i have to say it together because it just can't be one or the other it has to be both um, oh, I just, yeah, I did actually, I did carnivore for a month and, um, that was probably the one thing I missed the most having avocado. And as mm. much as I love steak, it's just not the same when I can't have avocado with it. And I actually used to hate ribeyes. I thought they were gross and really fatty. Um, but now I'm just obsessed with them and I could literally just live off of those two foods. Oh, as much as I love keto treats and desserts and brownies and stuff, I know how they make me feel when I eat too many of them. Mm. And if I really had a choice of like my favorites and how I feel after eating them, it would be avocados and ribeyes. That's delicious. And, <laughs> and in contrast to that, what is your least favorite keto food? Is there something that you despise and you will never touch? <laughs> so I can't get myself into eating organ meats. Oh, yeah. So I yeah. actually, funny story, I did a Instagram video of making chicken livers, and I recorded myself making them. I, I even, like, I fried them in pork rinds, you know, did the whole breading thing, um, and just I took a bite in front of everyone. And it's just <laughs> my, my face after the bite was just, like, priceless. I just can't. <laughs> And I'm very much like open to eating a lot of things. I'm not very picky, but it's the aftertaste. I yeah. the iron the like the, the I just can't get past the aftertaste of it. It's just so irony and just so unpleasant to me. I know they're so good for you. Uh, I just can't get around to. I just don't ever want it. I would be okay if I never ate it again. I just don't want to ever make it. <laughs> Well, I think uh, maybe maybe finding a good pate recipe might help. Yeah, and the, I like pate. I like pate. Yeah. Like if I'm in a restaurant and there's pate and it's like a fancy restaurant, oh, it's delicious. But like having like chicken livers and just that, like the organ meat stuff, just, yeah. oh, you know. Yeah, it's pretty hard. Yeah. <laughs> no, thanks. Um, and, uh, and so, uh, you know, I think uh, running and cycling is probably uh, a, a great exercise that you find that helps you. But is there any particular exercise that you don't think helps um, 
or maybe uh, that you have found that doesn't really work in with your schedule? No, because I'm pretty much like a fitness addict junkie (laughs) and I will find time to fit it in. So I actually, I focused a lot on strength training recently also, which I've kind of for the last couple of weeks been slacking on. But since I've had my second baby, I got into strength training because I realized that I haven't done a lot of that in my life. I was mostly doing cardio and I really Mm. wanted to tone and sculpt. So I found strength training really helps me as far as uh, building more muscle, just becoming stronger, um, Mm. getting less pain in my body. So now I'm trying to combine, you know, how do I fit in strength training with um, cardio with taking turns with between running and uh, cycling. The one thing that I dabbled into and I just can't seem to stay consistent with is yoga. So I know the benefits of it and I know, you know, how like it's great for mood and stability and stretching. It's just boring. It's just so boring. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't. I just can't do it. I like well, I've been yeah. to yoga classes and I've sat there way looking at the time saying this is the longest hour of my life that I will never get back. When I exercise, I need to be heart rate, sweating, work. I need to feel it. You know, yeah. I can't seem to, I can't be a yoga person. Like, that's just not my personality. It just doesn't fit. I know the benefits. I am not opposed to yoga and I I think it's great, but I can't get into it no matter what I do. Yeah, I, I was the same for a very long time until the yoga studio up the road started doing free yoga. And I thought, well, if I don't have to pay for it, then it's good. <laughs> right. Um, and so uh, what book or video has recently inspired you or what book uh, do you always come back to or uh, is there something that you think is, uh, you know, really useful when it, one, comes to the ketogenic diet or two, just comes to life in general? So I'm very much into reading. It's just recently I haven't had that much time to read with uh, my life situation right now. Yeah. But I love reading about anything with nutrition, um, anything with uh, business books. I started getting into business books. So like recently I've been reading this book called The Resistance and it was recommended by Bjork from uh, Pinch of Yum, Food Blogger Pro about how to get past the voice in your head that keeps telling you to put things off, you know, why you shouldn't get work done, um, how to overcome that. I've been reading, I love reading uh, The Art and Science of Low Carbohydrate um, Living and the Training. Both of those books are very helpful to me. Uh, I love The Complete Guide to Fasting. I always go back to that because I'm very much into fasting. Um, There's just like a lot of just any, any book that has to do with nutrition or keto um or just like business now i'm so into the business i usually like mostly do podcasts now which is just more convenient but any any chance i get to read i I try to because i just i love it and i just wish i had more time to to do it 
Yeah, that's no, that's that's. I totally agree. I'm I'm probably up the same sort of avenue, <laughs> reading everything to do with nutrition, and and uh, I I feel like I've done all of the business books. They they sort of <laughs> become the same a little bit after a while. But the resistance sounds like it's a good one, and I do think that um, Bjork from uh, Pinch of Yum and Food Blogger Pro, uh, he has some really great advice and and a great podcast over with Food Blogger Pro as well. Um, and so do you have, uh, outside of prescription medication, because that's sort of very individual, but, um, are you taking, currently taking any supplements that, that, uh, are helping you with the ketogenic diet or do you rely mostly on just food? So I rely mostly on food. However, recently, like I've told you before, I've noticed that I've been getting lots of headaches. So I've been trying to stay consistent on taking magnesium. Um, yep. I'm also starting starting and trying to stay consistent with taking vitamin D because I've noticed because in Ohio right now it's winter, um, I get um, sad seasonal affective disorder. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I didn't no. think it existed, but it's a real thing. So it happens in the winter. It's like when it's really cloudy and there's no sun. It's almost like... It's almost like you, you're you not, like, depressed, but you're just, like, moody and um, just feeling down. You're just not, like, very cheerful and happy because there's no sun. Mm. And it's actually a legit thing. So I started taking vitamin D because I heard that that helps if you take it in high doses. So I've been taking those two. And then I also take, um, it's called l Thionine or a thionine. Yep. It's like for focus. Yeah. So I take it in the morning with my coffee. That, that really seems to help me be more focused and mental clarity. And then MCT oil is just my standard staple. I love it. I know there's like opposing opinions about, about it, but I've been taking it for years. I even took a week off and I noticed a big difference in how I feel. I only mm. do one tablespoon a day with my coffee, but it just makes a whole difference in my energy and my mood and everything. So like MCT oil, is probably my staple yeah i find that as well um a lot of people do really benefit from taking mct oil especially if you're active um you know active people tend to be more adapt to being able to eat more protein have mct oil because the mct oil helps them create more ketones in that sort of area whereas just doing it from diet alone uh, can can be quite hard especially if you're you have so much energy requirement and it's interesting that you were saying about the vitamin d before because um, yeah we get plenty of vitamin d here in australia but um that you know australians can still be low but vitamin d actually helps retain magnesium as well um and so does sufficient levels of zinc and b1 and b6 uh, and so that's interesting that you know with with the magnesium you're also taking vitamin d which is going to help retain the magnesium which is good which is great yeah <laughs> um and, and l-theanine yeah I, I haven't delved too much into the l-theanine realm before but um i know that uh, matt from keto connect uh, has done some stuff into the whole uh, nootropic sort of area. Uh, very cool place to be. <laughs> um, yeah, that's but, actually uh, where I got the idea. Oh, I actually cool, yeah. watched their YouTube video and I thought, this is interesting. I'd love to have more focus. So mm. I started buying it and now my husband and I take it almost every day. 
And I did notice a difference, honestly, especially yeah, when that's... I take it with my MCT coffee in the morning. It's pretty awesome. Right. Yeah, that's cool. And I think, um, uh, oh, what's his name? Um, Tom DeLau has some great videos on that too uh on youtube um but yeah and l tyrosine as well is is a good one but l tyrosine is actually uh you know it can be classed as a nootropic but it can also be really helpful with people with um uh thyroid issues because it's it's one of the precursors to actually creating t3 into t4 i think or something like that um but uh yeah l L tyrosine is is great but if you have thyroid issues then it's also going to help you there as well (laughs) anyway (laughs) there's so many things that we could talk about in that realm yeah but the uh, at the very end of the podcast i love asking uh you know since you're a food blogger and I, I really love hearing people's different recipes or maybe recipes that they just love uh, creating for their family and whatnot. Um, but do you have a recipe that includes red wine that uh, is, is you know, something really special to you and something that you would share with the people listening to this podcast? Oh, my God, yes. So this is a specialty recipe that I only make once a year. I make it on Christmas Eve, and it's our family tradition. And it's actually a original Bon Appetit recipe that I've sort of keto-fied, and it's a red wine braised brisket. So it has got, it's a, you know, I buy, I buy a big old brisket. I got onions in there and celery and garlic, fresh thyme, bay leaves, Take a can of tomatoes, tomato paste, and a whole bottle of wine, baby. (laughs) Sometimes I cook with it too. (laughs) Um, And then you just, you combine everything in and you slowly braise it in the oven. And last year I actually did something different and I added some cranberries in there to do more of like a holiday Christmassy feel and it turned out amazing. So the secret to it though, and I haven't yet posted it on my blog and I will, it's just, I'm waiting, like I'm getting to it. It's one of those specialty Mm -hmm. recipes. The secret is you make it the day before. So let's say you wanna serve it, okay, so you make, I wanna serve it on Christmas Eve. So I would make it the day before Christmas Eve because it only gets better overnight. So oh, okay. when it sits in the fridge overnight, all of the flavors melt together. And when you take it back out the next day and you reheat it in the oven, it is like 10 times better than it would have been when you just eat it fresh out of the oven when you just braise it. Oh, that sounds so good. And it and do you slow cook it or do you do it in a pressure cooker? Is it what's slow? The... So you put slow. it in a Dutch oven, a yep. large Dutch oven, and you just put it in the oven and you braise it for about three, three and a half hours. It depends on how big of a brisket you get, but you braise it until it's fork tender. And then you take it out, you let it cool a little bit, and then it's hard to not want to eat it right away. Like, I will admit, I still take a few bites because this, <laughs> the house smells like, like, oh, it just smells just divine. It, I can't even, I can smell it right now and I'm getting all excited. Um, but you put it in, you have to resist and you have to put it in the refrigerator overnight because the next day when you eat it, it's just like, oh, oh man. It, I mean, my three-year-old is like the pickiest eater in the world and she loves it. 
She uh, loves it. So that tells that tells me it's a good recipe. If my three year old will eat it, it, then I know that it's like a good recipe. Oh, that's so good. And so and so speaking of good recipes, speaking of uh, you know all things keto, where can people find you? Where can people get in contact with you? Where can people follow along with um, you know some of the stuff that you're doing with the Clean Keto Reset? Uh, where where's all of that happening? So everywhere and all the platforms, I'm at Eat be fit explore so you can find me there on instagram on facebook my blog name is just eatbefitexplore.com you can find all my recipes there like i said i have the clean keto reset which is a four-week meal plan the all dairy-free recipes um, that i personally ate that helped me lose the weight and feel amazing and i just wanted to share it with anyone that's interested but it's just Eat, be fit, explore the three words that I live by. <laughs> mm, yeah, I love it. And uh, and all of those links will be in the description of this podcast. So if you, depending on what app you're using, you can see the description and all of the notes for this episode and all of that will be in the bottom of that. Uh, so it's been really fantastic talking to you, Leisha. Uh, uh, it's, it's been such a great thing to, you know, sort of come in and, uh, you know, we're both sort of preaching this sort of clean keto lifestyle. Uh, and uh, I think it's sort of that second step in the in the ketogenic journey because you know you've got to start somewhere, and I think most people should just start where they can, and then refining it from there. You can, there's so many tips all over the internet, and you know we've got some great tips as well. So it, yeah, it's been really great talking to you, and you know getting into the running and the food blogging. It's yeah, it's just been great. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure, Aaron. All right, I'll be talking to you soon. All right, take care. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this podcast, make sure you hit subscribe to be notified next week when the podcast arrives. If you could do one small act of kindness for today, I would greatly appreciate a review from you. It's really easy and it allows me to keep making podcasts just like this one every week just for you. Head on over to fatforweightloss.com.au forward slash podcasts for the latest updates and all the show notes. Until next week.